Hey, what's up, everybody? This is DJ Maverick, and you're listening to Third Pod Music. Third Pod Music. Starts now. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Lee, and we've got Ryan here. Hi. We are with Third Pod Music. Thanks so much for tuning in. We have a very special guest star with us today, Mr. Brian Wampler. How you doing? I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far though. I, I'm more of like a maybe kind of a dull light rather than a star. You know, you're like a Jedi Knight to us. <laughs> oh, you, you need to set your all. sights higher. I am <laughs> definitely not that. <laughs> so we're we're super excited to talk to you uh, about a bunch of awesome stuff. Um, you're a force to be reckoned with in the industry, but and you've been interviewed a bunch of times by a lot of different people. But we wanted to try and get a snapshot as what maybe has inspired you to design the pedals the way you have and um, dive into that with a few questions, if that's okay with you. Sure, sure. Let's go. Can you tell us um, your first memory of Amazing Tone? Like like you noticed it stood out to you, something you were listening to. I don't know if it was when you were, when you were a kid or later on or how you first thought, man, that sounds great. Well, this is probably going to... Um date me quite a bit but yeah i mean i was little i was like six or seven and at that time i had older brothers and they were into like van halen and you know basically all the good groups and um i think if i had to say anything it's probably like probably van halen was my first recollection of what the crap is that that's amazing <laughs> um yeah i mean i in fact now that i'm thinking about it that probably Probably the Diver, I think it was called Diver Down. Is that the red and white yeah. album, I believe? Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. I, I recall very, very vividly my, my older brother like forcing me to listen to that. And I, I, I loved it. And that's, that's how I became a huge Van Halen fan is from him. Uh, my other brother was a drummer, and he played in a band at our house when I was little. And um, I, I remember hearing him play like Night Ranger. And that's actually hearing them play that that type of stuff is what made me want to actually get into guitar. So, but you know, I was like six years old. This is nineteen. So when did you start playing guitar? It was, it was about nineteen eighty or eighty one. That was, well, was a good year. I mean, keep in mind, I'm six or seven years old at this time. So I that's when my parents bought me a guitar, and then I just kind of thumped around on it for the next twenty, thirty years. Stand do you, do you do you still stand in front of your mirror? Like you get all your rock star stuff on, you stand in front of your mirror and make the faces and everything? Only when I have spandex on. Oh, well, you know yes. it's funny, I'm glad you said that because I wanted yes. to, I, I wanted to, I'd struggled on whether to tell Brian this or not, but I'll stand in front of a mirror but I'll hold like a plexi drive or something now. <laughs> Just to, not me. I'll put a I'll put a uh I put my boots on and a cowboy hat. Your Wampler boots? My, yeah, my Wampler boots. That's a, that's the next that's the next podcast. And I have a I have a pink paisley uh, telly, mm. so um and so I dress up like Brad Paisley in hopes that my wife still loves me. So, <laughs> I yeah I can't pull that off. I'm uh, I have I don't have enough hair and I'm not good enough looking. So I don't know I don't know you I, you know I'm pretty. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very pretty. So would you would you say that uh, that Van Halen was the the main influence that you had as far as becoming a pedal designer maker? Oh, I mean, man, that's hard to clarify, really. I mean, at you know, at Probably that age, Van Halen was kind of that was my idea of guitar tone at that age. But I mean, 
you know, as you get older, you just get into all kinds of stuff. I was into Black Flag and Sex Pistols when I was, you know, 13. And TSOL, um, you know, but more like punk bands. I was I was a big skateboarder. Well, you so have I liked, a, some I country it. twang, too. And then eventually, yeah, I mean, I got into more country stuff. And that's because I got into a country band, and I didn't know any country songs, and so I was forced to learn a bunch of Brent Mason stuff. Sure. And this is, you know, my early 20s. And... Um, so in trying to learn all that, eight, all that 90s country stuff, um, it, that really kind of forced me into, one, being a better guitar player, and, and two, really taking notice of how good a lot of those songs really, not, not even necessarily like the actual song, but the, the musicality behind it, the, the licks and the, each little piece of how it fits into that song was... Um, Man, I would I would say it's bordering on genius. The orchestration of it all, the way the yeah. fiddle transcends into the guitar and steel guitar and all that stuff. Right, yeah. like every, every it's just a group of people that play so well together and play off of each other so well. And 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 once I found out that a lot of that stuff, they're just going shooting from the hip. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not planned out really. They know a direction, but they're just playing together like they do every day. Um, like that, that really fascinated me. But I mean, contrast that with, I was also in, you know, a few years before that, I was big time into Pearl Jam and Nirvana and, oh, yeah. and yes. Soundgarden. Like there's, there's been so many different bands that I would say have shaped me as a guitar player and later on as a person that made pedals. It's hard to really say it's like one specific thing. It's really a culmination of everything. Yeah. I, so like my wife and I have gone back and we've like, reverted back to some of that early 90s late 80s country music and i'm having a heyday with it i like i've listened to george Strait more in the last like six months than i've listened to him in 20 years um and i think there's like there there is a lot of stuff that we we kind of like put away the musicality of it now especially with country music just being this stadium southern rock <laughs> kind of thing um well you know i remember as i interrupted you i apologize i remember uh, at my house and i remember when vince gill came out with pocket full of gold and i just fell in love with his voice and, and i was like this guy's amazing and then like a week later i caught a new new uh, or a nashville cats uh, restless yeah with him and, and and the other guys and it was like wait this guy is a shredder guitar player too and i was like okay <laughs> i gotta have every vince gill album and that kind of then I started listening to Brooks and Dunn and okay that's who Brent Mason is you know I started learning about oh, that yeah. and I'm like man this guy is like you know incredible so yeah and it's funny that you mentioned something about 90s country um, I've noticed it's becoming much more popular among a younger generation you know college kids for example absolutely Co I say college kids because I've got kids in college so <laughs> no offense towards anyone at that no. age but uh, I mean um, you know like for example on on my podcast, I interviewed a, a person named Hayden Baker, younger guy, just yeah. get just getting a start, and he's huge into like that '90s country stuff. And apparently, there's a, a gigantic niche in Texas for that. You know, I, I didn't know that. I mean, here in Indiana, I mean, people still listen to country radio, like on, on the actual radio, they listen to oh, that. Yeah. And yeah, we, I mean, we have I'm a, not a big fan of it. Yeah, we have a great uh, country radio station here in town. Um, and that's kind of, it was my wife and I were just, we were done listening to everything and I was bored trying to find something on Spotify. And so we were like, uh, eh, let's see what's on the radio. And, and, <laughs> um, 
105.9 is that what it is? I think it's what I think that's what it is. Oh yeah, they play all that stuff. Yeah, and we just I I think it was a Tanya Tucker song that mm-hmm. came on, um, like an older one, and we just were like, man, we like this song. And then, um, uh, the songs are just better. Yeah, <laughs> th- better th- that's the thing is like we, we a lot of people I miss songwriting, like. Yeah. You know, working in a guitar store, a lot of times you have guitar heads who come in and they're, they're, it's all about the jam and how many notes they can fit into a short period of time. For me, I'm like, I want to hear some good songwriting, which is why I like, like Brad Paisley. I mean, he writes amazing songs and he's a smoking guitar player. Those mel- mm-hmm. like the melody plus, you know, the musicianship. Um, just just makes for I, I just miss great songwriting, yeah. And I think that's what I'm longing for now. And so, like, um, how do do you how do you see like, um, what you do? Because you like you basically build the tools, uh, you build the weapons for these guys to go out. Like, how does that process happen? Do they like come in with a tone, or or do you sit there with like a with just like several different caps and stuff and or do they come in with a with a pedal that they've used in the past and you like um reverse engineer from there or you know, you know there's actually there's a million different ways it happens sometimes it's just luck of the draw and Brad Paisley goes to a guitar store and picks up your pedal and likes it um that happens and then other times Brad'll text me or have his well he won't text me he usually has his text tech uh, call me or something and he'll be like hey brad said he's looking for this type of sound do you have anything or can you make this sort of thing um other times it's been where you know joe perry asked me to make something specific for him so he can fit it into his guitar so not to, i mean i hate to name drop but like those are the three scenarios that just popped in my head i love name dropper name um, <laughs> drop all you want i, I mean it but- it really happens a million different ways sometimes sometimes they'll approach me and say this is the kind of sound i'm looking for and other times they just happen to go to a store and they picked up something and they liked it so i, I wouldn't say that ever i i mean, I, I guess i would i would probably if i'm creating something from scratch i mean i'm generally trying to design something that I like myself, <laughs> selfishly. Um, I mean, like today, for example, I've been doing technically product development, but basically means I've been sitting in front of a breadboard all day trying to create a couple different circuits. And that's secret stuff. Secret stuff, yeah. I can't really talk secret. much about what it is. But, but I mean, like that's, that's where I'm starting from is I need this tool for me to do a certain thing. So therefore, let me create it and see if it, is actually cool or if it's a dumb idea. And then I may, you know, if I, once I, once I build some prototypes and I'll give a few out to friends or some people that I know and trust, like their taste, no, knowing that friend, we're going to get the, pro, <laughs> we, need, yeah, we need to get the prototype program. The, yeah. the, the key is, is to be honest and tell me if it sucks or not. That's, that's the key. Cause mm. oh, I, I don't have you know? a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. When you're when you're developing a new pedal and, and those stages, is there a go to like guitar amp combination that you use? Kind of your your gauge on that. Do you, is it a consistent thing, or do you? Um, um, for so when I'm very first starting out, um, I'm usually using like my Bravado, which is it's uh, the one and only amp that we make. Okay. Um, and it's you know it's a clean platform. It's blackface based is where it starts at. 
And um, and and the only reason that I'm using that is because I'm so incredibly familiar with it. I just I just I know it so well, you know. Um, but once that project progresses a little bit, like let's say I've got the basic circuit done, and now I want to see what it sounds like on every other amp in the world. At that point, now I'm plugging into a Hot Rod Deluxe and a PV Classic 30 and a 50 and a Mesa Boogie and a Basement, like all these different amps. And I, and I want to see, you know, how is it going to react? How is it going to interact with each different amp? Because maybe I need to add some different controls. Maybe I need to add some different switches. Or, and this has happened in the past, maybe it just doesn't work with a certain type of amp and I need to approach the uh, idea from a different angle. And that does happen. How do you know you're done? You know, Seth Godin is one of my favorite authors. And he has a... Um, there's a phrase he just says, you, you, sometimes you just got to ship it, which means you, there's always a point where it's, it's, it's as good as it can get 99.5%. You'll never get that extra 0.5%. It, just, there's all, it can always be improved. So at some point, you've got to say, this is good, let's run with it. Do you ever hear anybody like on a recording misuse one of your pedals? Misuse. All the time. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love these use the misuse. That's, yeah. that's, that's a, such a polite way to say it. Yeah. I mean, it, I um, I'm more of a traditional player. Okay. So there's a lot of times where I'll hear someone use, really, like let's say a delay pedal in general. Let alone whether it's mine. I'm like, huh. I've never thought about doing that with it, but I guess that works. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I do see that quite a bit, but I, I think for me, what it's it's sometimes it's frustrating, but I understand where the, where the person's coming from. But I do see people, for example, they'll turn all, like all the knobs to noon, assuming like that's quote unquote neutral. And when I see that, I'm like, no, no, don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> like that's that's not neutral. Well, <laughs> there I, I got to be there honest. Is no I'm, neutral. I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I do. That's kind of where I start all the time, and I don't know where the best place is to start with the pedal. And I've used pedals for years. Yeah, unless it's an EQ pedal, it's not neutral. Gotcha. You know, I mean, just because of the 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 way the circuit's designed. For example, I'll, I'll go off in the weeds here for a second. No, On an no. EQ pedal, when you when it is in the center, that's when it's not really affecting anything. So when you drop the slider down, now it's cutting stuff. When you mm -hmm. boost it up, now it's boosting stuff. But you know, if you have like tone, like let's like a rat pedal, for example, that tone knob is is not an active EQ. It's just cutting highs. So Technically, there actually really is no neutral except what sounds neutral to you. But there's, there's like, if you look at the frequency response, there's not really a neutral there. You said rat, and I just, I was like, <laughs> I was going to say, Stephen I, I either went way too far no, no, in the weeds no, no, or. No, no. I did, like, you said rat, and I'm, and no, that's awesome. I, um, because, and I have to be honest, like when I started, so I went to luthier school and I went to John Marshall down in Atlanta. And so I know a lot of the like mods on guitars and pickups and things like that. But then I cracked the case on a, <laughs> on a pedal when I, when I, and I was like, Oh, it's a boss DS one. I can, you know, if I mess with it for, you know, I'm, I'm out 20 bucks and yeah, it was terrifying. Uh, it was just, it was terrifying in there. Um, and so I like, how would, how did you get to the point where one day you're like, I, I don't like this phase 90 the way it is. 
I want to see what I can do with this. Uh, you know, I've, I've always been like that kid that took, took apart things and never put them back together. <laughs> that, that, was, that was me. I'm like, you know what I could do? I could take my car engine apart and probably put it back together, and then I couldn't, so I had to have a mechanic do that. But I like taking stuff apart, and I would do the same thing with pedals and just kind of poke around. What happens when I touch these two points? Ooh, that's not good. That makes a weird sound. Hopefully you never did that with amps. <laughs> Don't do that with amps. That's, that's dangerous. very dangerous, kids. Very, Yeah, yeah. Very dangerous with any amount of voltage. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of how, I, I guess, the way I started is I wanted different sounds and I was broke. And I found out that there was a, a forum that would teach you, like, hey, replace these three parts in this Boss Super Overdrive and it'll sound different. It'll give it more bass. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool, and I could probably solder it. doesn't sound that hard. And so that's how I started. And eventually I just started taking out parts and randomly replacing it with stuff and just to see what it would do. And after about a year or two of doing that, I started thinking, well, maybe it might not have been that long, maybe more like a year. And this was, keep in mind, this was just like my hobby. What happens when I take out these resistors and put these other resistors in? Um, I know that's a weird hobby too, but eventually I, I figured out that I probably should know why it's doing what it's doing rather than just, you know, randomly replacing things. And so that kind of started all this stuff and we're talking 2000, maybe 2000, 1999, 2001, somewhere around there. Wow. So, I mean, I, cause I, I think about it in terms of like I graduated Luthier school in, in 2000 and so that was kind of my, uh, you know, I played guitar and things like that. My first, um, my first pedal was the Zoom 505. So, ooh, the multi effect. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and that then yeah. that uh, that leads us to another question here in a minute. But like, so this was relatively, in my mind, kind of recent that you started doing this. Uh. In internet terms, no. <laughs> in, oh, okay. in, so in real something. life, in real life experience, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm 45. I was in my early 20s, you know. Okay. Uh, and at that point, I was doing like I was remodeling. That was that was my job, is I I would remodel houses, um, or really anything that someone would pay me to remodel. But anyways, that's a and different now story. you remodel lives. And now I remodel tone. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean that's I didn't go to college. I just started reading. Really, I started doing and reading and trying to ask more, you know, like engineers, actual engineers, why does this happen? Why, why does this do this whenever I replace this capacitor? And over time, you, you get experience and you just start understanding it a little more, you know? But, so was there yeah. somebody who was doing it and you were like, I want to I do what that guy does? Mm. I mean, sort of not really. Like, I, I really respected Analog Man and Robert Keeley, but I, um, I, I never really want, never really thought, I want to be just like Robert Key. There you go. Right. I, I want to be just like, um, you know, Mike Pierre. I never, I never really thought that. I did think that it would, I, like, I glamorized it, you know? And oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, it, oh, I bet their life is fantastic. <laughs> it must be awesome. 
Dil, you know, working with guitar pedals every single day. Um, <laughs> That's and what, what I thought f- about working with <laughs> yeah, guitar, 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 yeah. guitar it's, store. It's a lot like if you worked in a music store, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. It's a lot like if you, it, and I used to think, you know, the perfect job would be the cookie dough tester. That's yeah. got to be amazing. <laughs> and then I, I started realizing, I bet you get pretty sick of cookie dough. The pizza maker. All you do. Yeah, yeah the I, pizza maker. He's not yeah. eating pizza when he goes home. Yeah. When I when I when I was a kid, do you all remember the uh, like the little Debbie Chomps, where it was like it looked like a it was like a little Debbie cupcake, but it looked like it had a like a bite taken out of it. I, think so. I don't <laughs> recall those. Oh yeah, it was they were called Chomps, and my father in law said that he always like his ba- the f- best job would be the one who took the bite out of the <laughs> Chomps. <laughs> so so did you have to pay, just uh, did you have to pay full price for that Chomp? Of course of you it, did. It's like missing. it's like holes in jeans. Oh, it, it's probably cost more because it's, yeah, it's, it's a boot. Yeah. It's a boutique little Debbie now. Yeah, know? it really is. It's a boot. <laughs> yeah, it is a boutique. It's like the Brian Wampler version of the <laughs> the modded version. Speaking of, speaking of something very serious, like we talked about before, I mean, you, you designed pedals for Brad Paisley and Brent Mason. Um, who would, and apparently Joe Perry? Yeah, exactly. Who would oh, win? Tons an, of who would win in an, like an arm wrestling match between the two of those guys? In, mm. your, opinion, in your opinion. You know they're both pretty strong. Br- Brent's yeah. really stocky up up above his waist. Like Is he's he? a stocky dude. <laughs> um, but Brad works out all the time. You know, so I don't know. I think I think Brad maybe uh, he might be a little quicker. Really? So he, okay. he he might he might get him on the takedown. Because you know Brent's down there in but, Hawaii all the time now, so he's. That's that's true. I mean, you know, maybe maybe he, maybe he is working out down there. I don't know, but. Uh, well, um, I. <laughs> I was curious, like, I mean, do you think you could take them? I mean, do you, arm wrestling, like, you against mm. Brad If there Paisley was an or, MMA fight. Yeah, like, who would... If, <laughs> and there were three of you. Who would are, come so, out? So, uh, hold on, just to clarify. Are we naked, or do, are we fully clothed? Because that This totally... podcast keeps getting better and better all the yeah. time. Because <laughs> if, if, if we're naked, I'm going for the juggler. You know oh, what I mean? okay, gotcha. So, if yeah, we're not sense. naked, then they'll probably take me with technique. Because my, uh, my MMA technique is not so good. <laughs> See, I, I, I think I would win because it would just terrify them. <laughs> if, it were, do, if, you, if we're naked. You would do like words. Oh, is that what <laughs> yeah, it is? <laughs> That's funny. Oh, I, I like it. That, that, that was a serious question. I wanted yeah. to ask it. That, that means a lot. So <laughs> I do for. actually. So um, I have to admit something. I am. Uh, I have in the last two years because of um, how like my life as a musician has has shaped. I no longer run analog anything, um, and I Ooh. now run a Helix. Um, and it was because I was going through several, going to several different church campuses in the same day, and so I couldn't have a, a consistent rig that I knew I was walking in with. Um, where do you see like that part of the industry going? Like, I like I always know that I know that pedals are always. A, going to be a thing but does is how do you perceive like what's happening on the digital side of the industry you know it's fascinating to me honestly i mean prior to a few years ago if if a person wanted a really great tone you had to figure out somehow how to get you know your plexi inside your apartment cranked (laughs) without getting kicked out right um now like it's still not the same thing, but it's a heck of a lot closer than it was. That's for sure. Uh, I mean, you can you can get a r- just ridiculously great tone at you know headphone levels. 
you know, just by plugging into a DAW or whatever you happen to be running into, whether it's a preamp at the end of your pedal board or whatever. Um, so I, th- I think, I think it's a fascinating time where you have a, a lot more people that are able to get a better sound and therefore probably want to play guitar more and rather than playing to the, the little gorilla amp or whatever, you know, back in 1985, like it's just, it's a whole different thing. That's a good point. Yeah. I totally um, forgot about the gorilla amp. I just, <laughs> I just went back. I have a little dirty, dirty 30 of Dan Electro dirty 30 that I have downstairs, but yeah. So, I mean, I, I, uh, I, a lot of people kind of demonize like the fractals and the Kempers and that sort of thing. I don't look at it that way. I mean, if if you give me my choice, I'm still going to want a cranked plexi or whatever. I'm still going to want that. But there's but a place if, for the other things. But yeah. there's a you know yeah absolutely if you're if you're playing at church or whatever or even if you're like you got to throw your rig in the back of a taxi and get to a gig, man you can mm-hmm. like it's a, never been a better time to be able to do that without having horrible tone you know. So I mean, from that from that perspective, it's great. And if you're in the audience, it's great because now you don't have to listen to someone playing through something that really sounds terrible at a gig, because they probably have something that sounds pretty good, you know. So that's, anyways, that's my point of view. I don't really, I don't like. I have a preference, but I I'm, I don't look down on anyone that's using a Helix or anything like that. But um, yeah, that's how I look at it. So, like, with as far as folks who like run things like cab clones and and stuff like that, um, is that something that you like for somebody who's in a studio, or again for somebody who is, you know, playing at home and engaging with analog technology? Because I like I was a analog head. Um, I had a trailer trash thirty by eighteen just filled. Um, like somebody who's running like a cab clone at their house, would that be you? So, um, I have to be honest, I'm not real familiar with the cab clone. What well, is, just, just that? like the, the, oh, like the, um, Mesa Boogie had the Mesa Boogie. I think it was called the cab clone. Oh yeah, it was the cab clone. And basically what it was is, um. And the Iridium? Is a, yeah, the Iridium. The Iridium okay, so, Simon. so like an impulse response letter. Correct. Yeah. Gotcha, Correct. gotcha, 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 gotcha. So, and your, I'm sorry, your question is... Like, what? how do you how do you feel about those, or have you ever, like, dove into maybe trying to put something like that together? Like, I can't tell you all my secrets, you know? <laughs> I, mean, I, I gotta love keep, that Is that what, I you're, is that keep what you're working some, on? Oh, he just came right on. I this. have no... I can neither, you know, confirm or deny. <sighs> but I will say that there are... A, a majority of the times that I'm going out to play with someone, mm-hmm. I will, um, what I, I take my, my two notes cab. What the heck is that thing called? Captor. That's what it's called. Captor. I take my two notes captor. And if, if I'm feeling really froggy, I'll also take my, um, uh, two notes cab. That's what it's called. It's an mm-hmm. impulse response letter. And I'll connect the two, and I'll just run. I'll, I'll run. Um, I'll, I'll run my pedal board and the amp, but I'll run that as a line out to the board. That way, I know exactly what the sound guy is going to get. Um, so that's that's how I prefer to do it, rather than stick a fifty-seven on there and knowing that I'm going to kick it down at some point, yeah. or someone's going to probably kick it over for me. Like it's it's just going to happen. Um, so like I love that side of it. That's that's how I I use that technology. So you heard but, it here first. Brian Wampler is reverse engineering. 
Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, that would be that would be awesome because because again, like folks who play in churches, um, you know, you, I I see a lot of guys who will come in and they have like their giant pedal board and they roll in with their, you know, their bad cat and the sound they have to like put it in a children's room. <laughs> you know, it's it's outside in the parking lot. Yeah, outside yeah. children's room. Yeah, they even put it in the nursery. <laughs> I like that. And you know, and then we'll they deal have, with you later. Yeah, they have to right. run several di boxes back and forth to one another, and uh, and but I still have yet to find something because um, I had them. I tried the Mesa Boogie, um, and I just couldn't get the tone out of it that I wanted. It would. It just seemed really brassy and squashed. But what you're telling me is I can just blame that on the sound guy. <laughs> that that is that's option A. Yes, you can blame it on the sound the sound person. Um, I now the, the Mesa Boogie the actual Mesa Boogie product. I don't recall if it's digital or analog. So it's analog. It okay. So so here's where I kind of split. I I personally believe that analog cabinet emulation is absolutely inferior to digital. Absolutely on almost every level. Now, I'm just stri- strictly talking about cabinet emulation. I'm not talking about preamps or gain or any nothing like that. Just the, the mimicked sound of the actual speaker and speaker cabinet. And here's why. With analog, what you're really doing is fancy filtering. It's a fancy EQ pedal. Okay. Whenever you're in digital and you're using impulse responses, the easiest way for me to explain it is it's kind of sort of like equalization over a period of time if and that's it that's the easiest way i can explain it so in other words what you can get what you can mimic it or actually really duplicate is the sound of a 412 cabinet with greenbacks with two different ribbon mics and a 57 in a 10 by 20 room with carpeting on the ceiling like all these different parameters you can get that over and you can get the sound of um, not just the speaker, but the resonance in the room and the cabinet vibrating and right. the sound like coming going off the walls and stuff. All that you can reproduce digitally. You can't do that in analog. I, so, yeah. Good point. Yeah, I dig it. Okay, so we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do just some silly questions, but very serious questions. You Here. have to pick which is which is which. Though. Yeah. Uh, if you, Josh Scott and Robert Keeley going out to dinner, who's paying? Robert Keeley for sure. He always <laughs> pays. I love and I love Robert. Oh, that's awesome. True story. Yeah. He, he bought he bought me dinner one night. I was he bought everybody in the store. He's he's just the like the nicest guy he ever. He is. Yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's 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 I, I'd heard how nice he was. I watched all the videos and then I met him and I'm like, Are you for real? And he and he totally is. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's Really, him? Yeah, he is that nice of a guy. And like every time I go to um, uh, Gear Fest at Sweetwater, yeah, he uh, he's like, "Let's go for steaks tonight." Like he just I'm like, "All right, let's go, Robert. Let's do this." <laughs> See, this sounds like a group of friends I need to belong to. I <laughs> I got to tell you guys both a story because Ryan probably doesn't know this either. But so Robert Keeley came to Third Rock back in October, and um, I got him set up with a hotel, and and I I called him that the morning of. Like, or I texted him, I said, Robert, we're so excited. Are you ready for the big day? And he said, I've been up all night long with food poisoning. Oh. And he, he had ate something on his, on his, uh, you know, in one of his connecting flights or whatever. And uh, he said, 
I just, he said, I woke up and I knew I couldn't miss the event. And I just hoped that it would clear up. And, and he said, he said, I'm moving a little slow, but I'm going to make it. And sure enough, man, he was a trooper. Oh. He showed up and, and, you know, dealt with everybody and was smiling and, and got through it. And uh, I was, just, I felt so bad for him, but he was a, he was a trooper for sure. Oh, that's, that's the, like the worst thing he, ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he came so. from, you know, from Oklahoma. So it was like, geez, Pete. Yeah. Gosh, I can't imagine. I, I remember <laughs> the, the time I, the one and only time I've had food poisoning, I literally thought I was dying. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, but if anybody can pull that off, it's Robert. That yeah. won't happen when you're here, though. You're going to be, I mean, well, I'm, I'm just, healthy. yeah, that can't happen. So I'm just going to not eat the day before. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you can eat when you get here. There you go. Have That's some good tacos ready for me. Oh, we have some good tacos. You got to come to my side of town to get good tacos, though. Mm, I love oh, me a good taco. Oh, man. Oh. All right. Mm. So, uh, hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger for sure, unless we're talking about grilled over the fire. Over the oh, fire, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can be. I'm, I'm on the fence with that one if it's over the what fire. A great question. Yeah. Now, cake or pie? Mm, cake definitely. Yeah, I'm not much of a pie person. Is it because you... except big muff pies? I like those. A <laughs> lot. See, he did that. See, uh, so like, I I don't like pie because I think it's like I think fruit is trying to invade my dessert, and that's too much like health food. <laughs> it's misleading. It is. It's it is. It's like uh it's like faux health food, you know? It's it's like a trick trying to get you to have dessert. Oh, here's some apple. What? Yeah. Get some apple. Zucchini bread. Why do I have to have zucchini in my bread? <laughs> right. Who, who even much? thought of that? Carrot cake. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I mean, actually my wife chocolate. makes a carrot cake and it is not healthy whatsoever. It has several <laughs> sticks of butter in it. It's oh, yeah. truth if you put enough butter and sugar in anything, it tastes fantastic. That's right. Hmm. I like it. Yeah, I do too. Well, I am super excited about you coming here, Brian. Um, pedal day is co coming quickly, um, and we are just excited to be able to spend some time with you. Um, and for all of our customers and folks who are listening out there, um, pedal day is... It's going to be on Leap Year, which is February the 29th, and it's like 12 p.m. to like 4 p.m., something like that, however long Brian wants to go. Uh, and do that, and I think we should have some terraforms by then. I think. Yeah, I hope so. That's that's a bit out of my uh, yeah, jurisdiction yeah. a bit, but <laughs> I got to say too. I I, I know it, it, we're wrapping up, but I mean the terraform was absolutely amazing. The tones in it are incredible. The the ease of programming it's, is awesome. I think it's the little things really. I love. I love that the first four presets. It's it's whichever buttons lit or whichever light is on, and the mm -hmm. second set of four presets. It's whichever one's off. Well, thank you. That's I, I have to admit that was the team around me, not just me. So sure, there was a, I love it. There was a lot, a lot more brighter people than me that were involved in making that happen. The tones are <laughs> the tones are absolutely incredible. I mean, great job on that. That's it's absolutely out of this world. Well, thank you so much. Terraforming the planet, absolutely. Out of this world, <laughs> kind of, absolutely. It's a whole well, thing. Thank you so much for taking time yeah. to talk to us. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having um, me. So again, look forward to meeting you and having everybody here on February 29th uh, from 12 to 4. Uh, we're going to be, yeah, it's pedal, it's going to get pedal palooza. We're giving away pedals. We have special prices on pedals. Uh, Brian hopefully will sign some autographs and we'll hopefully have Terraforms here and we're going to have a great time. And I'll sign anything except for a blank check. Okay. okay. Well, that, yep. I'll, I'll remember that. He's even going to sign his, his the first edition of his book. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, if you want me to. 
Yeah, awesome. I, yeah. I'm going to go over to Kinko's and print out several of those 450 page manuals on how to modern 50 pages. Yeah, it was it was how how big was it? I remember it's, it's um I, I want to say it's 350 pages. It, yeah. It's actually still available on Amazon oh, if you don't oh, want to print that out. Wow. So, yeah, the, he's, it like, is so, on he's Amazon, like if you want to bootleg me like that, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's you, uh, honestly so I know you're trying to wrap up. The only <laughs> reason it's actually on Amazon is because uh, people were trying to sell old copies of it for like a thousand dollars. Oh, that's and and I was just like, that's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> like I would never, I would never pay anywhere near a thousand dollars for that. So I I thought, well, the quickest way to do that is to control the production of it. So I'm just going to stick it on Amazon for as low of a price as I can, and there people can have the information. And there you go. Absolutely, that's a great idea. Yeah. All right, Brian. Look forward to seeing you. Can't wait. Talk to you soon. We're very excited. Have a great one, man.